This is the Talk of the Town with Albany Mayor Kathy Sheehan on Magic 590. I'm Bob Cudmore. How you doing, Mayor? I'm doing well. How are you? Okay. I want to start off on a sad note, but I do know it's been talked about a lot in the media, and he was an Albany native. The television anchor Ed O'Brien recently died. He was such an influence on so many people in the media, including people who work at this station. I know uh, John Gabriel does you know, DJ show here, work with him years ago. Yeah, it was very sad to see that news. I was aware that he had been ill, but just very, very sad to see that you know, somebody who was really an icon for this region. Yes, indeed. Well, let's go on to uh, questions for the mayor. We've been receiving some from the uh, email address you can use, Kathy with a K at albanyny.gov. I've also got a, a question uh, myself, which came uh, to my Facebook uh, page. But there's one question that's kind of a follow-up from last week about permit parking. It came up last week. A woman asked about permit parking and how it's patrolled, particularly on Lancaster Street. We do patrol. We have a plate reader, uh, uh, vehicles that are equipped with plate readers, and all of the license plates that are registered in that permit program are in that plate reader, but they read about 4,400 license plates every day. They patrol it twice a day. You know, I took a look at tickets written on Lancaster, and as of the end of September, we had had about 39 citations that were issued on Lancaster between Dove and Swan. So, you know, they are being cited, and we do have people out there who are patrolling it, but we've let our parking violations folks know that there are some concerns and that they need to be vigilant over there. Another question that uh, came in had to do with uh, putting out the trash. Can I put a TV out on the curb for garbage pickup? No, no, no. Uh, there is new legislation that prohibits that, but you can bring any sort of electronic, whether it's an old television or a computer and, you know, any sort of electronic item, you can bring those right down to our DGS facility on Erie if you go past Huck Finn's warehouse and you just keep Mm. driving to the end. And we do take those. We do have pickups. uh, And you can also call uh, DGS at 434-2489 because we also have recycling days where we will be set up, for example, in Washington Park and people can bring their electronics. But we have to dispose of those in a very different way now. That's 434-2489. That's right. The question I received from a woman in Albany, rather detailed, has to do with the subject we did uh, discuss uh, last week, the proposed renewal, if you will, or rebuilding of Albany High School. A woman from Albany writes, the mayor has said publicly it's critical to hold the line on taxes. With that in mind, how can she support the construction of a new high school that will increase taxes? And the woman says it's a Taj Mahal of a high school, one of the most expensive in the nation, even when controlling for enrollment size, one that proposes to use an architectural model to control student behavior and address security concerns. And this is coming before the voters next month, correct? It is coming before the voters, and I understand, you know, voters have a difficult decision to make here because we do have to hold the line on taxes, but we also have to provide appropriate educational facilities if we want our children to be able to get an education and to succeed. And, you know, having a high achieving students and having the ability to provide that environment enhances everybody's property values. So it is a difficult decision, and I think that it's important to reach out and talk to the school district. I know that they have provided 
some data about uh, the costs of other schools and on a square footage basis and for the number of students that we have to build for. Our, this district is growing. The number of students in this district is increasing. And so we currently have over 2,500 students in the high school. And our census data is telling us that that number is going to grow to 3,000. So we need a, a building that will provide an appropriate educational, you know, experience for those 3,000 students. And so I think, you know, on a square footage basis, the cost of this school, I've seen the price tags, even for a school in Atlanta that was, you know, where construction costs are much lower, that was consistent with it. But it's something that we need. It's like we need police, we need fire. We, you know, we need to provide functioning schools so that we can educate our kids. But it will result in an increase in taxes. That is what the school district is projecting right now, yes. And I think we've got to look at how do we advocate for appropriate state aid for our school district. Our school district receives significantly less state aid than uh, similarly situated school districts. How can we focus on ways that we can potentially share services, reduce costs for taxpayers so that we can take advantage of opportunities to hold the line on taxes? Another topic that's a perennial one, red light cameras. There was a Times Union story on uh, the red light cameras in the past week, which says that more than a third of the suspected traffic violations captured uh, by the new red light cameras were thrown out by police investigators. Does that surprise Well, I think this we are we are getting used to this new system and determining where there are legal rights on red um, or where it's not legal to turn right on red. But it was always anticipated. And that's why we put in this additional layer of review that if a police officer wouldn't issue a ticket, then we're not going to have our camera system issue a ticket. So I think that we um, are still installing cameras and working out the procedures for that. But I think it's good news for people to realize that there are human beings who are weighing in here and that this isn't just a lot of people thought that this was just a revenue grab on the part of the city. And it's not. It's about safety. It's about people following the rules. Uh, Speaking of revenue, I mean, the newspaper estimates that the tickets could raise, you know, the ones that Mm -hmm. have to be paid like $67,000. Well, that was what was raised just with the tickets that are issued. We're projecting total revenue, annual revenue of about $1.9 million in 2016. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was interesting that three streets account for most of the violations or three intersections, especially Everett Road and Waterlead Avenue Extension. Well, I think, you know, again, people are rushing through taking advantage of trying to, you know, follow the flow of traffic, we've got to have people following the rules because, you know, when pedestrians see the light turn red, they typically step into the street. And if cars continue to go through that intersection, it puts pedestrians at risk. Uh, Another uh, question that uh, came in uh, to your office had to do with with something we haven't discussed in the program, but sort of an interesting thing. Somebody wanted to have a goat cam installed (laughs) at the, the Loudonville Reservoir where the city's employing goats to trim the brush back? Yes, and they're doing a great job. I stopped in and checked on them last week, and they were eating their way across the reservoir there. We do have cameras, safety cameras at the reservoir, but if people want to watch the the goats at work, we'll have to take a look at whether we can have a a no-cost way of providing that. 
And these goats are from a goat farm. And somebody I know said, well, gee, what's going to happen to the goats in the winter? But maybe they're even done now. I mean, they're... Well, they're not quite done. When, once all the leaves fall, then the goats will be finished with their work. We don't want them eating uh, leaves that have fallen on the ground because they don't have any nutritional value. They'll go back to their farm. They're five female goats. In all likelihood, they'll have um, babies uh, in the spring. And then we'll be looking to continue this relationship. Okay. You have appointed a new code enforcement manager for the city, building code enforcement. His uh, name, uh, Robert McGee. Uh, it's before the Common Council now. It was endorsed by the law committee in a four-to-one vote. Dissent from uh, Judd Crocker, I'm, I'm sure that's how his name is pronounced, who said that McGee was not experienced in code enforcement. He's a staff attorney for legal aid. Why did you uh, pick him for this job? Well, he has tremendous experience, and one of the things that he has done for a number of years is to um, represent people in cases where they have code issues with the apartments that they're living in or that they've had code violations brought against them. So he does have that experience. The former commissioner of this department had no code enforcement experience. He was an attorney as well. We have great code enforcement officers uh, who work for the city. We have people working in the department who have the technical expertise. And what we're really looking for in code enforcement is a leader who can help us on the policy side, who can help to streamline some of the things that we're doing there so that we can be more effective in enforcing our codes, so that we can be looking at what policies are working in other cities and how can we really tackle this issue that continues to be a struggle for the city of Albany of being a proactive department, not just reacting when there's a a neighbor that's calling and complaining about a code violation, but that we can really be proactive and assert new policies that make it difficult for landlords to have properties that are in disrepair in the city, to hold on to vacant properties in the city. And so with his legal experience, I think that Rob is absolutely the person for this job to help us with the formulation of policies that are going to allow us to be more effective in enforcing our codes going forward. Building code enforcement is a big topic in cities upstate. And one issue is there are those who are concerned that code enforcement can be used politically, you know, to punish opponents, reward the supporters. I think that there's been a lot of skepticism in uh, not just the city of Albany, but I think in, in municipalities that the fix is in, so to speak. And, you know, that's just not acceptable. Government doesn't work when people don't trust that the right thing is going to happen. And so, again, one of the things that I'm excited about is that Rob also has a lot of experience using software, understanding transparency. We're in the process of adopting a new software system that I think will help to alleviate some of the concerns that people have because it will allow us to be much more transparent about when we're citing properties, how we're resolving those, and making that information publicly available. You're listening to Magic 590. I'm Bob Cudmore. The program Talk of the Town, and our guest is Albany Mayor Kathy Sheehan. Something I picked up from the television this week, I saw you uh, interviewed on the subject of Hillary Clinton, whom you support for the Democratic nomination for president. The big debate, although Donald Trump thought it would be a pretty boring debate, let the listeners decide that, uh, took place among the Democratic candidates this week. How'd she do? I thought she did great. But, you know, I, you know, 
not to be partial here, but as a Democrat, I'll take the opportunity to say, I think that our party looked great. I think that the candidates really demonstrated what a debate should look like. They talked about the issues. They didn't take cheap swipes. They really kept things focused on responding to the questions that were asked and talking about issues that are important to us and to all Americans, you know, issues around the economy, around access to education, around, you know, the approaches to dealing with the challenges that we're seeing and the problems that we're seeing in the Middle East. So, um, you know, if Donald Trump thinks that that's boring, uh, you know, then that's on him. But I think it was really a great discussion of the issues of the day. And it was done in a way that was civil and that was informative to anybody who listened. Let's bring it back home to issues in Albany. We're talking with the mayor of Albany. In your new budget, you propose a tax on utility poles. That's right. You know, in a lot of municipalities, to cut down on double poles, to understand, you know, where poles are so that, you know, we do get complaints from people who say there are too many poles on my street. It is a way for us to register and to uh, have a full census of who owns what polls, where they are, and what they're there for. Mm. Uh, the budget is still before the council or w- anything uh, going on with that? That's right. The budget is before the council, and each of the departments is now in the process of meeting with the council. They've created a committee to review the budget, and they are asking each department about their specific departmental budget and asking questions about that. So that's the typical process. Over the next few weeks, the council, these are public meetings. People can attend them. They can find out what departments are meeting. So if you're interested in the Department of General Services budget or in the police department budget, um, there's an opportunity to attend those meetings. Also, I, I believe there's some uh, action or in the, in the form of a, more presentations on Albany's application for a big chunk of uh, state money uh, that, other, you know, communities upstate are applying for. Are you still optimistic that Albany's uh, or the, the I should say the capital district's uh, request will be granted? I think it's absolutely one of the top three proposals. Um, it is the it's called the Capital 2020 plan and people can find it online if you just Google Capital 2020 or if you uh, just uh, look at the upstate or the 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 regional economic development councils you can also get a link to all the proposals that have been submitted for the upstate revitalization initiative and it's a really compelling plan for growing jobs for growing opportunity in our region and i think that it is absolutely a great way for the state to invest that 500 million dollars if they really want uh, a phenomenal return on that investment for the state Mm. Uh, turning to turning to an issue is, is important to Albany, not really a, a city issue, but uh, that's the financial health of the College of St. Rose. I've had a lot, uh, you know, long association with it myself, not currently, but I was an adjunct there for uh, many years. And they always seem to be a very uh, prosperous, well-managed institution. But now, for example, I believe they're seeking to restructure uh, some debt, which might involve the the city. Do you support them in this? Yes. I mean, we have a a vehicle through which not-for-profits can issue bonds and or refinance. And again, the city doesn't guarantee those funds. Those have to be guaranteed by the issuer. Uh, But it is an effective, low-cost way to, uh, you know, just where if you have uh, people who try to consolidate their debt or refinance their home, uh, you know, that's really what the uh, the university or what the college is looking to do. And, you know, the college is a great partner in the city of Albany. We do a lot of work together. 
We have programs with the college where they are working in not-for-profits. Students are working with not-for-profits, um, volunteering in our community. And so we really want to see the College of St. Rose succeed. It is a wonderful institution. It's right in the city. They've created a campus environment that is seeing success, and they need to get through these financial challenges that they face. But, you know, we see them as a, a wonderful partner to the mm. city. Is the College of St. Rose one of the nonprofits that in the past or that you have received some kind of payment in lieu of taxes from or, or we, no? We have not. Um, you know, again, when they use our CRC to do this type of financing or funding, um, and they did a similar thing when they built one of their dorms, it does generate a fee to the IDA, which we use to help promote economic development in the city. So it is a way of us getting revenue from them in order to do economic development in the city. IDA's in Development Authority, Industrial Development Authority, right? right? What's the CRC? Again, well, the CRC said. is actually a parallel entity that was created really to deal with um, some tax laws and issues around being able to fund debt for not-for-profits. So it's a, it's an opportunity that is available to IDAs to set up a structure that allows them to really expand what they're able to offer in a community. Albany Mayor Kathy Sheehan is with us. Uh, let's uh, go out and about in Albany, if you will. I saw a story in the news that there are new walk signs, walk your city signs. What is that about? Well, it, it was a great way for us. We're, we're working on a broader uh, heritage tourism in initiative so that we can really create signage and capture all of the wonderful institutions that we have in the city of Albany um, and help promote them. But as a short-term win, as that process is working itself out, we've installed signs all throughout the city, mainly in downtown, but also on Central Avenue and on Lark Street, that tells people that it's a short walk to, and then it names a place, mm -hmm. a Revolutionary War Heroes home. Um, and then there's a QRC code that's on those signs, and you can just put your smartphone up there, and it'll tell you step-by-step, -step, you know, turn-by-turn -turn directions. It'll tell you some information about the site, what the hours are, if there's an admission fee. And so it's a great way, you know, everybody's wearing these Fitbits and, you know, <laughs> yeah, looking at yeah. being fit and how many steps are we taking. So, you know, if you're out strolling at lunchtime, and you say, hey, it's only a 10-minute walk to, you know, to a Revolutionary War hero's home. Maybe I'll stroll by there. Um, so it, it's and it's also great for visitors who come here from out of town who are really maybe looking for an interesting place to go and an interesting thing to see or just a great place to go get Indian food. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's, it's both low tech and high tech. I mean, it's a sign, but you yes. can put your device there and, and find out much more. It was very cost effective. It was done almost completely by volunteers. And it's I, I think um People will be curious. Mm. Uh, let me ask you about Parks and Rec. Uh, the uh, City Department of Recreation does offer, I mean, you associate in the summertime, but they do some things in the fall. We try to keep people moving year-round, so we are offering Zumba classes and yoga. We are uh, have pool hours at the uh, middle school. So, you know, we work, that's one way that we collaborate with the school district so that people do have the opportunity to swim. So, again, if you go to the city website, albanyny.gov, um, and click on the recreation department, you can get details about a whole host of programs 
that we are offering uh, this fall. We also have opportunities. You know, we have a um, we have youth centers at Hoffman Park and at Lincoln Park, and that's a place where kids can stop in after school. It's a safe place. They can work out. There's basketball. There are rec aids that are there. Um, the same thing is true at the Arbor Hill Community Center. So it's a safe place for young people after school. I know a lot of people say there's no place for our young people to go. We do have places for our young people to go, and we want to make sure that they know about that. Work was done at Lincoln Park this year? It was. We finally created stairs and a wheelchair ramp down into what's called the bowl. Lincoln Park is a big bowl. And at any given time, you can see there can be two rugby games and a soccer game going on all at the same time because it's quite a big expanse. But it really was not accessible for people who, um, you know, either had trouble walking or might be in a wheelchair. And so we um, were able to use some funding that we had through our community development agency. This was capital. Funding. We couldn't use it for anything, you know, other than capital projects. And we created a beautiful stairway and wheelchair ramp so that that park is now accessible to everyone. And finally, the what's happening with the Norman Skill where they had that big landslide? So we're in the process of widening the Norman Skill, um, and there's been a temporary measure that was completed. It's nearly complete. They're still doing some measurements to ensure that it's complete to widen it so that if we get a 50-year storm, we're not as concerned about flooding. And then we would expect that the permanent fix would be completed this spring. That's going to require some additional digging um, and the um, really stabilization of the the new what is the new shoreline for the Norman Skill? Well, Mayor Sheehan, I thank you for joining us. Well, thank you. We'll have the mayor back uh, next week with Talk of the Town on Magic 590. If you have a question or a comment, you can email Kathy with a K at albanyny.gov. Talk of the Town with Albany Mayor Kathy Sheehan on Magic 590. Thanks for joining us. I'm Bob Cudmore. <laughs> Thank you.